Well, good morning, Victory Alive Church. So excited to be with you this morning. I hope you are expectant and excited for what God is going to do in this place on this Sunday morning. Come on, y'all. We are in fall. Fall is in full swing. Can I get an amen out there? It's the most wonderful time of the year. That's what I think. Uh, <laughs> but so excited to be with you this morning. I just want to give a quick shout out to a specific group of people this morning, and that's our first-time guests. Man, can we give it up for our first-time guests this morning? Hey, if you're new with us this morning, we're so glad you're here. Excited that you decided to join us on this Sunday morning at Victory Life Church to try us out. We don't take it lightly and would love to get to know you, whether you're here in person or online. And the best way you can do so is to fill out the Guest Connect card on the back of the seat in front of you. You can fill out that information, take it to our Welcome Center. We'd love to shake your hand and and say hello to get to know you a little bit and put a gift in your hand as well. Um, If you're online with us, you can go to our website at vlchurch.com and hit the new here tab. You'll fill out very similar information. And we would just love to get to know you as well. We believe in doing life together here at the church and would love to walk this faith journey together. Amen. Well, I've got a a few announcements for us this morning. The first is baptism. So excited for Baptism Sunday on November 6th. It's going to be an amazing and special time of seeing people go uh, from death to life in this new journey of faith with Jesus, taking that next step in their faith. It's such a special time, and we believe, as uh, Pastor Matt likes to say, that it's uh, doing something physical to match the spiritual, that saying, hey, I am devoted, I'm living my life for Jesus, and I'm letting people know. And so we'd love for you to get baptized. If you've been thinking about it, as we've been announcing it over the last few weeks, um, there is a baptism class going on in our young adults room right down the hall. Um, So if you're like, hey, Aaron, last minute, I want to get baptized. Well, well, head on to that class so you can know what baptism is and what it's all about and what it'll look like uh, on that Sunday. And so we'd love for you to get signed up to be a part of uh, what is going on with baptism and super excited for it. Well, hey, we also got Pursue Night coming up on November 18th, Friday, November 18th at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be an incredible time. If you've ever been to Pursue Night, you know it's going to be a special time of pursuing the Lord together through prayer, through worship, through reflection. And I don't know about you, but it's blessed me and my family, and I know it's blessed so many others in this church. And so if you've never been to a Pursue Night, I encourage you to come out and to be a part of it because I really believe that you're going to be refreshed, that God wants to speak to you and speak to each and every one of us in a specific way. And so very excited for that. Not only that, but we do the old VLC way. We love to celebrate with food after, with fellowship. It's going to be awesome. And so uh, bring the whole family. We would love to see you out there on November 18th at 6, 30 p.m. right here at the church for Pursue Night. Well, that's all I have for us this morning. If you came to worship the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, we just want to thank you for doing so. You could do it in a few different ways. You could give through text. You could give online at vlchurch.com, or you can uh, give on your way out of service this morning. But we want to thank you for worshiping the Lord in that way this morning. And can we stand to our feet right now and get ready to just posture our hearts towards Jesus to worship him this morning? Jesus, your name is above every other, every other name. Lord, you are powerful. And Lord, we need you. We need you this morning. We need you every day. Lord, we couldn't do this without you.
And Lord, we worship you. We worship you through the hard stuff, and we worship you through the great stuff, through the good seasons and the bad seasons. And uh, Lord, no matter where each one of us is at in this room, what we carry into this space, Lord, we pray, Lord, that through worship we would focus our eyes on you, King Jesus. That you want to do something special in our lives, and we worship you because of who you are. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and worship him this morning. He's worthy. Oh 
song. Let's declare the gospel this morning in all of God's goodness. And I believe that the blood of Jesus still washes white as snow. I believe that the power of the gospel still makes the broken whole. I believe that the curse of sin was broken when they rolled away that stone. I believe, I believe, I believe. So as I bow before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. I have seen your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. And no matter where I go, and no matter where I've been, I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. And I believe that the walls stop falling when we fall down on our knees I believe that the lame will go walking and the blind are gonna see I believe that the gates of hell tremble when the church begins to sing I believe I believe I believe and as I
Amen. What a beautiful song to declare before the Lord this morning. It's got power. It's got life. It's got everything. When we start that song this morning, we say, I believe that the blood of Jesus still washes white as snow. And the power of the gospel makes the broken whole. And the curse of sin is broken when they rolled away that stone. Oh, it's got the gospel in the beginning. And then it has humility when it says, I will bow before you, Lord. And I will rise in confidence. It's got the bow before the Lord, the praise, the submission. And then it says, I'm going to declare your goodness not only to my children, but in any land that I go into. So we're going to declare the praises in this house. We're going to declare it to our children and our children's children. But also we're going to declare it to the nations. Oh my goodness, it has evangelism. Could you believe that a worship song could have so much in it? Jam-packed for his glory. He's been good. He's been good. And there's nothing that can keep our mouth shut from declaring it because he's been so good. I will not stop declaring it. I'll not stop singing that song. I'm going to sing it in the land I'm in now and wherever God takes me because he is good. I hope you've seen his goodness in your life. I hope you've experienced his cross and how it can make the broken whole. I hope you've experienced healing. I hope you've experienced that goodness, and I pray that you will. This morning, if you have, don't hold back. Declare the praises of him who's been good and faithful. He's worthy. Let's continue to worship him this morning.
one more time this morning? Have you experienced his goodness this week? Or last week? It doesn't matter. His goodness is with us. Let's just sing that one more time and declare it. That you are good, God. For you are good. You are good. You are good. And your mercy is forever. For you are good. You are good. You are good. And your mercy is forever. Lord Jesus, we do thank you today for your mercy. You have not dealt with us as we deserve. Your kindness and your goodness has washed over us. And you have done better by us than we deserve. Lord, I don't know when we come into full understanding of just how much mercy and grace you've poured out on us. I don't know if it's at the moment of salvation. I don't know if it's the moment when we're at our lowest. I don't know if it's that time that we can't forgive ourselves. We've hit rock bottom. Or I don't know if it will be in eternity with you. Looking around at what you have prepared for us and saying to ourselves, oh God, I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve any of this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. Wherever we're at today, whether remembering the moment of our salvation, whether remembering our lowest point and the fact that you did not leave us there, or looking forward to seeing you in glory, I pray that we would declare your goodness and your mercy and thank you that it is forever. Lord Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, good morning again to Victory Life. I'm Pastor Matt. We're so good. That, glad we're so good. We are so good. Uh, we are so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. And... Uh, we do have Young Disciples going on today, so if you're not yet down at the fabulous Fifth Friday party, you are welcome to go down there. Uh, parents, you can leave your kids with us all the way through second service if you desire, because it is a fabulous Fifth Sunday, and so you can leave them down there and, and, uh, and come and pick them up. When I, I usually get done preaching around 12.45, 1 o'clock in second service. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, around noon, around noon. So we're glad that you're here. It's a special Sunday, and the reason it's a special Sunday is we get to receive new members today. So much to the chagrin of our video team, I'm going to leave the platform here because I won't be in the correct light, but they'll be, they'll be mad about this. Sorry, video team, and sorry for those of you watching on the live stream, but we are going to welcome some folks in both services. And so uh, these are folks who got acquainted with the church at some point through growth track. We talk about growth track all the time. We run it seven to eight times a year. And it's just a, a four-week class where we get to know you, you get to know us. We find out your history in the Lord. We find out if you know Jesus, if you've been baptized, if you have, where you've come from, uh, what you know, how we can partner with you in discipleship. And it's a, it's a wonderful experience. We get to know what you're gifted at and what you're passionate about 
to get you involved in the church. Well, after some time after Growth Track, we then offer what's called a 501 class for our membership class. And that's for folks who are saying, you know what, I've been here for months and months, I've gone through Growth Track, I'm beginning to get invested in the life of the church, and, and I want to make this my home church. I, I, I really want to be part of it. And, uh, and so these are folks who are saying we want to be members, we want to add value to Victory Life, and we have the expectation that Victory Life will add value to our lives as well. And when I say add value, I guess that sounds kind of uh, uh, business speak, uh, that they will disciple others as we disciple them. How's that? And be part of this community. And they can vote for trustees. So that's exciting, too. That's exciting, too. So I get to welcome a number of people this morning, because Pastor Otto's down the hall doing growth track, even though he does all these classes. So I'm going to invite, and you hold your applause. I know you're excited at 956. Hold, hold your applause. I'm going to invite Randy Thomas and Debbie Powell, Jack and Kim Malin, and Jacob Kuhn, uh, up here, and uh, our elder Dale Wagner's coming. He uh, helps lead this class, and he's going to pray over them in, in just a moment. So you guys can come on up, and uh, you can line up next to me here. We're going to pray and welcome these folks. Now, it, it, uh, welcome is not quite the right word, because Jack and Kim and Debbie and, and Jacob and, and Randy, they are already uh, deeply invested in what we're doing here at Victory Life. You guys are already helping us help others join the story, helping others live out the story, helping others tell the story. And we are so glad that, uh, that you're part of our community. And so this is Jack and Kim Malin. Jack and Kim have been coming here for quite some time and are already deeply invested in our Pray and Go ministry as directors. This is Debbie Powell. Debbie is a wonderful lady who we've got to know over the course of the last few years, and Debbie has helped out in some of our wonderful benevolence efforts over the years. This is Jacob Kuhn. Now, Jacob is representative of five other blonde-headed people <laughs> who attend here. He's got some, some kiddos that aren't feeling well this morning, uh, but Jacob is married to Christina Kuhn, and they have Gideon, Cademan, Lincoln, and Wyatt, who, uh, yeah, yeah, God, God bless you. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, people with big families, I don't understand them. Anyhow, uh, yeah, we have Randy Thomas, who has a wonderful heritage here at Victory Life, of wonderful service of the Lord, and we're so glad that you're making this your church home. So uh, this is just the first service crowd. The second service crowd will be joining us in just a little bit. But we are so delighted that you've chosen to make this church your, your home church. And we have responsibilities to you now, and we'll, we'll take those on. We'll take those on, and you have responsibilities to us now, and I know those have been outlined to you, and so we're so glad, we're so grateful that God's bringing us together for his kingdom and for his glory, and so that we can point people to Jesus and watch him rewrite their story. So, Dale, I'm going to have you pray. This is also our head elder, Dave Anderson, who's with us this morning, and uh, Dale's going to pray over them this morning. Welcome. You're special. Special folks who just want to learn more about the Lord and have been doing that over the past weeks. And that's a neat thing. He who sits on high laughs, but he who sits on high also loves. And he loves more than we will ever understand until we get there. So 
you've completed kind of step one of the journey. And I hope that you discover everything that God has for you. That you will walk in his spirit and follow his pathway for you. Each one will be different. They won't all be smooth. But God is faithful. And he will be with you every step of that journey. You will give witness to what God's spirit has done in you and around you. For he will show it to you. He will manifest itself, himself to you. So enjoy the ride. Welcome to Victory Life Church. We are fortunate that we have such good leadership and pastors here. And um, we just want to welcome you this day. Thank you very much. I will. Father, you have drawn these people to Victory Life Church for a specific purpose that both we in the congregation and they as individuals have to experience. We praise your name because you know the pathway that you've already designed for them. We as congregational members, thank you for bringing them here. We just ask that you would bless them and their families and that you would manifest yourself through the power of your Holy Spirit in their lives. And we pray that you would keep them observant of those things that happen, the good, the exciting, the troublesome. Bring them all because you're growing them and you're grooming them for a life of service and a future that is almost incomprehensible. No eye has seen, no ear heard what you have in store for them. Thank you, Lord. We ask that you bless them and their families and bless their way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Dave. Yep. All right. Each new member receives a gift bag with my personal memoirs and commentary series. And uh, no, it's better than that, I promise. So, hey, I was asked to give an update this week, and I'm so excited to do it. I'm praying, go. You see those numbers going up, up, up uh, in, that, in the lobby there, and we now have 116 people that are part of Pray and Go, and we have 37 teams, and this week is going to be the last, last group in the first wave of folks going out. Any of you going out on Pray and Go this week? You got the text, you got the call by an upraised hand? Awesome. Let's pray for you. Why don't you stand? We're going to pray for you guys. We're just going to pray for these teams that are going out just this week. If you are going out, yeah, go ahead and stand right where you're at, and we'll pray over you. And uh, yeah, so let's pray. Let's pray that God would use these folks. Heavenly Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters as they go out this week. 
God, I pray that you would prepare divine appointments for them. Lord, I pray that there, there would be people who they shine their light to who will have been seeking you this week and their act of kindness and their act of prayer would point them to Jesus. Lord, I pray that if it is appointed unto them that there would be an encounter with folks that they meet on the street and they'd be able to shine your light for, for, for your glory and for your good. Bless them and keep them now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. Didn't know you were going to get so interactive here at church this morning. All right. We have a biblical journey to go on this morning. Usually when we say that it's Christmas time, we're like, journey to Bethlehem. And what journey to Bethlehem means is four independent sermons that don't have anything to do with each other that will eventually get us to Christmas Eve. But, but this is actually a journey this morning. We're going to need to be in three chapters in order to see everything that Jesus did. You are going to see the first thing that we look at this morning is going to be the feeding of the 5,000. You're going to, going to say, why do you need two more chapters to understand that? Because Jesus made it so. All right, so we're going to be in chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 14 of chapter 14 today. Then we're going to move into chapter 15 to see the second miraculous feeding, and then we're going to have to look at what Jesus said about it. All right, so there's three levels to our journey this morning. We're really going to be uh, cooking through the scripture. I had an, a, a fun time last night. I, I, at one point, I stood on a street corner with one of my friends at the intersection of three different streets, and I was just watching hundreds and hundreds of people in costume go by and enjoying every minute of it. And then I finally had the moment of full enjoyment. I was standing there talking to my buddy, and there came Gandalf. And I mean, it was like legit 6263 Grey Pilgrim Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings. He looked good. He, he, I mean, it was, it was full hat, full beard, full burlap. It was, it was an amazing. And the guy came down the street, and he knew it. He knew it looked good, you know. He knew his, his and all I could do was, like a little kid meeting Mickey Mouse, I went, oh, you know, because I love Lord of the Rings. It was such a good Gandalf costume. All I could do was laugh. And he's like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And so he passes me, and I looked at my buddy Matt. I'm like, that's the best one I've seen tonight. That's, that looks really good. And then I realized it's my neighbor from across the street. That's who it was. I had no idea. I'm just, I'm just thinking I'm laughing with a stranger. Yeah, man, it's my neighbor. It was pretty cool. I was like, that's the coolest one I've seen in a long time. But it was sort of funny. I didn't know his identity. I didn't know who it was. And so I walked across the street, walked up the street, walked across the street, and said to, said to his wife, I didn't know Gandalf was your husband. That was awesome. That, that costume was so great. And I'm just laughing. But the best part about it was is, is when I figured out who the identity of Gandalf was. I was like, oh, that is so cool. I, I, I have a, a full understanding now of who put on that costume, and it just made it more enjoyable that, that he play-acted and had a good time uh, being the great pilgrim. Well, we're going to see Jesus today really start hammering down on his identity. He really needs his disciples to understand who he is. Okay, This is the turn that's taking place in the book of Matthew. We've been in Matthew for 10 weeks now. And the reason I believe that he begins to really hone in on his identity is because John the Baptist has just been killed. And, and, and it's getting hot in the kitchen of Israel. And he realizes his mission to come to die on a cross and, and save us from our sins is getting closer and closer. And his disciples are going to need absolutely to understand who he is. That he's not a prophet, that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah and so he's going to, be, going to begin to do a series of miracles, very symbolic miracles throughout 14, 15, and 16 that brings us to the culmination of where we're going to be next week. 
Next week, we're going to be at that moment where he looks at his disciples and say, who do men say that I am? He's going to do things to signal his identity before he asks them, who am I? I need you to settle on it. And so we're going to need to settle on that today because it has everything to do with shining our light. It has everything to do with carrying Jesus into the world. We have to be settled on his identity. And so I want, I want us to see three things today. I want us to see two miracles and then what Jesus says about them. And Jesus is going to give us a command. He's going to give us a warning. And the command and the warning is for the church today. But we've got to take a little bit of a biblical journey to get there. Are you following me? So here we go. We're in 1414 of Matthew into a very familiar miracle because Jesus needs his disciples to understand his identity. It says in 1414 of Matthew, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. The day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Then he said to them, then they said to him, we've only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, well, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men in addition to women and children. Great miracle of Jesus. Biggest scale miracle of Jesus. Thousands upon thousands are fed from a very small portion of food. And it's told very matter-of-factly. It's one of the reasons that, I'm, that, that we can assume the Gospels are telling the truth. This isn't, it's not made up in a fantastical fashion. And then things happen to these baskets and, 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 and beautiful white light shine from them. And it, it's, the miracles are just, just simple. It's amazing, it's astounding, but it's simple. He broke it, he blessed it, he gave it to the disciples, and as they're breaking and giving to others, more and more just keeps getting on and coming on. Now, I want us to notice a few things, and I'm not going to try to break this down word by word, verse by verse. It's narrative. We don't need to do that this morning. But I want us to notice a few things. First, it says, and Jesus had compassion on them. Where have we seen that in this series already? And Jesus had compassion on them. Do you remember the last time Matthew said that of Jesus? That they are like sheep without a shepherd. Therefore, I need you to begin to pray, folks, that, that we would have harvesters sent out into the field to harvest the great harvest of God. I had compa- Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now he has compassion again, and we end up with the same thing. He lets his disciples participate with him in the work. You give them something to eat, says Jesus. In the same way, Jesus had compassion on them. He has these great crowds that he wants to minister to. And then he says, all right, disciples, I need you to pray because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few that, 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 that the Lord would send out folks into the harvest. Now he says, I have great compassion on them. I want to heal them. I want to preach to them. I want to feed them. And then he says, you do it. He's including them in the work. So this is a great miracle of Jesus' identity. I, I want to show that to you in just a moment. But, but I want to also make mention of you today that you cannot divorce the identity of Jesus from his followers. You cannot. His followers are part and parcel. They go together. 
They're not peanut butter and jelly. That would, that would, that would, that would suggest that they're equal. They're not equal. We're, we are not Jesus, all right? But you cannot separate Jesus from participating with Jesus as his followers. You give them something to eat. That's an interesting point. It's in the emphatic. Jesus says, you yourselves give them something to eat. When they said, we, don't, we can't feed these people. Jesus wants his disciples to know it's you who are going to go out and and do the work. The bread is going to multiply in your hands. I'm going to bless. It's going to be my power, my ability, my identity. But you got to go do it. You got to go feed these people. All right? With my power and my authority. Now, why did this speak to the identity of Jesus? Well, because it's a miraculous feeding. All right, And it, it would have taken their minds back to those who had fed the masses before. It would have taken the Jewish mind back to Moses. Remember Moses and manna in the wilderness? The fact that we have this this miraculous feeding of God of the people. Jesus was signaling in a way, I am the second Moses. I I can feed you out of nothing if I need to. I have power and authority over over all elemental things. He's going to walk on water uh, next chapter. But, But in this particular case, I have power to create bread almost out of nothing almost out of nothing. I have great authority. I'm like the second Moses. But this is also a miracle that had already been seen in Scripture in 2 Kings, just not to this scale. A man named Elisha had done it. Elisha had miraculously fed a crowd. But Jesus' miracle is so much greater. In fact, if we had time to study all of the book of Matthew, we would have, we would have talked about Jesus saying of John the Baptist, he is Elijah who was to come, and now by this miracle, he's signaling, I am Elisha, who was to come. There's a forerunner to the Messiah, and then there's the Messiah. There's the one with the anointing of God, and then there's the one with the double portion of the anointing of God. This is a very symbolic miracle. His decision to feed this crowd was not willy-nilly. He made the decision to feed this crowd to identify himself to the crowd and to his disciples. He's signaling that he's the second Moses. He's signaling that he was the Elisha who was to come after the Elijah who was to come. And that's why it's important that John the Baptist is in the grave. Because he's signaling my mission is in full now. And I'm going to leave no doubt as to my identity. Now the funny thing about the scale of this miracle and the identity of Jesus as the Messiah, which in essence makes him the Savior of Israel, is that Jesus can't do math. He can can feed 5,000 people, but Jesus has food waste going on here. There are, anybody work in the restaurant industry at any time? You know, the regional manager comes in, talks to you about food waste. How much mustard did you put on that burger? And uh, and there's, there's a problem there, right? Jesus can't count because he has 12 baskets full of food left over. He had enough for, for 5,500 besides women and children. But we all know that this is deeply symbolic. Jesus is choosing to be deeply symbolic. He is, he is, he is performing a miracle that's also serving as an allegory. Because there's 12 baskets full left over, one for each of the disciples to pick up and continue feeding people, metaphorically. And we know that those of us who have been church for, in church for a while, we've read the Old Testament, we know that 12 disciples were for 
12 tribes of Israel, and those 12 tribes of Israel represented God's desire to bless and save the world. Salvation was going to come from the Jews. So these disciples are going to end up carrying on this mission in a greater way. They're going to pick up their basket, and they're going to take the bread of life into the world. I'm not making an allegory out of this. Jesus is doing this on purpose. Or we just have to assume that our Savior can't do math. Which one would you like to assume? Twelve baskets for twelve disciples, continually having ability to go out and feed the world. You give them something to eat. But how many of you knew that this wasn't the only time Jesus did something like this? See, Matthew, if you turn over a few pages, records that Jesus does a miracle very similar, and he does it again. He does it again. But this time he doesn't do it among the Jewish people. And this time there's not 12 baskets left over. This time he does it among Gentiles, non-Jewish folk. And there's going to be a different number of baskets left over because the Savior can't do math. Turn with me in your Bibles to chapter 15, verse 32, and let's look at this second miracle. And once again, there's a reason I'm leading you through these three chapters because Jesus is going to explain what we need to do in response to these miracles, and we don't get that till chapter 16. Let's look at 1532. Then Jesus calls his disciples to him and said, remember, we're in a crowd of Gentiles now, predominantly Gentiles. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we going to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? Let's stop there for a minute. Did you read that with me? Now, I don't know if the disciples are just incredibly slow or if it was like a challenge. Like, Jesus, where are we going to get enough bread to feed so many people in such a desolate place? You know? So, so either Jesus goes, challenge accepted, or the disciples are really slow of understanding, right? Because Jesus is signaling, I feel bad. These people are hungry. And last time he said that, a big miracle happened. Well, we are among Gentiles now. Maybe they don't think he'll do the miracle for Gentiles, but here we go, verse 34. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven, and a few small fish. I just note for a moment, the number of fish really isn't important to either one of the stories. In fact, I don't even know that the number of loaves of bread is incredibly important, and, and I'll, I'll show you that in chapter 12 in a second, but, but this time we don't even know how many fish, like nobody remembers. Oh, there's a couple there. Anyhow, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied, and then they took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. How many baskets left this time? Seven. Seven. Seems like an important number, doesn't it? I mean, if Jesus was going to not do math, it's, it's deeply funny that he would have chosen the two most important numbers in Scripture, right? Uh, maybe, the, maybe, the, maybe the other most important number is three, right? We could make an argument for that. We're going to see that in the next story. But he chooses the, the two most important numbers, 12, which signifies Israel, and seven, which signifies completion and perfection. Jesus does 
almost the exact same miracle now among the Gentiles, and what is left over is the number for perfection and completion. Because the Messiah was going to need to go unto the Gentiles in order to perfect and complete his mission. And proof positive is that you are sitting here today. That the mission of feeding the world is going to transport from the people of Israel, from the 12 tribes of Israel, into the Gentile world in order to be completed. Or we could just assume Jesus can't do math and he lucked upon seven baskets. See, these are important things to note. And they're so important that Jesus brings it to light in our final story today from chapter 16, verse 1 and following. All of this is taking place in a compressed time frame, folks, so they all go together. Are you in chapter 16, verse 1? Here we go. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came. Let's stop there just for a minute, just for the understanding of those who might be new to all of this. Pharisees and Sadducees were the two main political parties in Israel at the time of Jesus. But at that time, you couldn't be political without being deeply religious. So they also had very clear theology about what was truly Jewish and what was truly uh, righteous. And they're, so they're, they're important folks in the political and spiritual sphere. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to test him and asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. Red sky at night, sailors delight. And in the morning, it will be stormy, for the sky is red and threatening. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. So Jesus has just done the two largest miracles of his career, just in terms of scale. The most important one is the resurrection of the dead, of course. But, but, but the two largest scale miracles, this, this would have spread his fame far and wide. In fact, there are historical records of early rabbis who didn't believe in Jesus that did not deny his miraculous power. They simply stated that he did his miracles by means of demonic forces. So there was no denying that Jesus did these at the time, okay? He did them. Yet, he's done these two massive miracles that have certainly reached the ears of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they come to Jesus and say, give us a sign from heaven. Dance, pal, dance. Right? Do something for us. And he said, have you not been watching what I've been doing for years now? You've seen it. You were there the day I healed that crippled man in Peter's house. You were there. You've seen it. You've heard, no, I'm not going to dance for you. I'm not going to do things. It's, It's evil. It's wicked what you're doing. To just deny everything that you're seeing and everything that you're hearing, to hold on to something, we're going to get to that in a minute, that isn't of God. The only sign that you'll get is the sign of Jonah, and you'll have to deal with that, boys. Three days in the belly of the whale, three days in the belly of the earth, the sign of Jonah, three days. In three days, Jesus will rise. He's telling them, you're going to have to deal with a sign from heaven, guys. 
One that you'll deny, one that you'll try to cover up, one that you're not going to enjoy. You're going to deal with the sign, but I'm not giving you one right now. I'm not going to play that game. You're saying, what does this have to do with the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000? Well, here it comes, verse 5. When the disciples reached the other side of the lake, they'd forgotten to bring any bread. Can we just stop there for a minute? Who's in charge of the bread? I mean, which disciple is bread disciple? I have a theory of who bread disciple is. I think there was a guy named James in charge of the bread, okay? And, 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 and that's why to this day he's called James the Lesser. That's that, if you're going to forget bread all the time, you are now James the Lesser. Here we go, verse 6. Terrible Bible joke. Had to share it. Don't care. Verse 6, Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. But Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Don't you perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets she gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered. How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He ain't talking about bread. He's not talking about bread. And he takes them back to these two identifying miracles and says, beware of what they're doing. Do you remember the miracles and then he says, how many baskets were left over in each of those occasions? He doesn't supply the answer for them. He's a good teacher. He makes them verbalize it. He makes them say it, right? It's implied that they say it. How many baskets? Twelve. How many baskets? Seven. Don't buy in to the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What does yeast do when mixed with dough, if at the right temperature? Tried to bake bread before. What? Rises through the whole batch. Now, that's not, a, that's not bad if you want a nice-looking loaf of bread. But if you're trying to make a flatbread, you've, you've got some problems. You've got some problems. You see, Jesus says, beware of doing what the Pharisees and the Sadducees just try to do to me at the other side of the lake. They are going to ignore what I've already done and thereby sow seeds of doubt. So you, my disciples, remember what I've done and remember my identity because there's seven, low, or seven baskets and 12 baskets still to distribute, distribute to the world. You remember. Don't let seeds of doubt in me bring about a lack of faith that leaves you in a position that you can't see my identity and you can't see what I've called you to do because of that identity. He reminds them of how many baskets are left over and reminds them of the miracles in light of the Sadducees' desires to sow seeds of doubt in an effort, because of an effort to say, Jesus, do another miracle. Do another miracle. Prove it to us. Prove it to us. Prove it to us. See? Jesus did those miracles on purpose. He was establishing his identity in them. He's going to ask them, and we're going to talk about this next week, who do men say that I am? 
but he gives us a very clear command in light of what he's already done. I'm going to say this again. He gives us a very clear command in light of what he's done. He calls them to remember what he's already done. That's, that's the command. Calls them to remember what he's already done. Don't disregard what he's already done and allow seeds of doubt to begin to build in you. The key to settling on his identity is to remember. To remember what he's already done is what allows us to settle for today who he is. And this is the problem that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had. They wanted to create a religion of their own making, so they would say, do it again, do it again, prove it again. They did not want Jesus to be Lord of their life. And in that case, they need Jesus to do one more miracle, one more thing, one more proof. You ever met someone like it? I just need to see one more thing. I just need one more prayer answered. I just need God to meet me on my terms, and then I'll believe. That's where the Pharisees and Sadducees were at, but that's not where his disciples were at. His disciples were followers of him. His disciples had already given up things to follow him, just like you have. And he's saying to them, don't let seeds of doubt put you in a position where you're questioning my identity, my authority, my ability. Don't let it happen because there's 12 baskets and 7 baskets yet to be distributed. Don't let the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees doubts about my identity. If I am the one true Messiah, if I am the one true Savior, if I am sufficient to carry life-giving bread to the world, if I truly am the Savior of the world, if I truly will do the miraculous, if I truly will take care of you if I send you out there, will you believe in me and don't let seeds of doubt, pessimism, suspicion, and fear leave you in a place where I am not in control and you are. Because that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were all about. Pessimism and control and fear driving their beliefs rather than faith. He needs his disciples to remain in faith. And that's my first point to you today. Remember to settle on his identity. That's what he asks of us. Not in light of the feeding of the 5,000. You weren't there. You didn't get free bread but in light of what he's already done in your life. We, we sang a song today to begin this service that declared that we will remember. We, we will remember his works. We will talk about them. We will sing about them. Because the Bible enjoins us over and over and over again to remember just as the Israelites were told to remember the crossing of the Red Sea, Jesus looked at his disciples that day and said, remember the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. And he is looking at you today saying, remember where you were at before he called you. Remember the prayers that he has answered. Remember the mercy that he has shown. Remember the grace that he has poured out upon you and settle on him being who he says he is. Don't allow seeds of doubt to keep you from being all that he wants you to be because you aren't settled on his identity. Because the, the fact of the matter is, and this is the second and, and last point of this sermon, settled people then carry the bread of life. People who are absolutely certain that other people need Jesus. 
people that are absolutely certain that Jesus is who he said he is and can do what he says he can do. People who are absolutely certain that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by him. The key on to settle is to remember. To remember by reading his word. To remember by hearing the word. Paul tells us that faith comes by hearing. To remember by declaring the word. And that's why we worship in song every single Sunday. To remember the works that he has done. So that here on Sunday mornings we can settle on his identity. And when you go home and pray and read your Bible that you settle on his identity. And then when you go to your life group and study with other people that you settle on his identity. Because settled people carry the bread of life to the world. Folks who have no seeds of doubt as to Jesus' identity, authority, power, and ability. And to that end, where are your seeds of doubt today? Your fears and your pessimism about what Jesus could do through you. Your misunderstandings about what he would do in your life if you were to pick up your basket in order to bring him to somebody else. Where's the fear? Where's the doubt? Where's the leaven? Where's the leaven? Do you really believe he is who you sometimes say that he is? Do you believe that he can do what he says that he can do? If there is any leaven today, it's time to, to get it out and then declare who he is. Declare who we know him to be so that we could take him from this place and declare it to others. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, you did so much on purpose. So much for us to see. So much for us to remember. God, I pray that we would remember. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would remember. We'd call it to memory and we'd say it and we'd speak it. We'd open our Bibles and we'd read it. We'd open our ears in spite of our natural suspicion and hear it. so that we can be settled on who you are. Lord, identify to us any places of fear, places of pessimism, places where we're still in control like the Pharisees and Sadducees, unable to admit who you are, what you can do, and what you've called us to. Help us to confess them to you right now. Lord, help us to be people who remember, who call others to remember, 
who know your words and know your ways, know your deeds, and speak them to others. Help us to take up our baskets in full confidence. And as I bow before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. And no matter where I go, As I bow before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. No matter where I go, no matter where I've been, I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. Sing it to the daughters, sing it to the sons. Oh, sing it to the daughters, sing it to the sons. To every generation, to every generation. Oh, look at what the Lord has done. Sing it to the darkness, that the light has come. Sing it to the nations. Look at what the Lord has done. Let's declare it one more time as I bow before you, Lord. Oh, and as I bow before you, Lord, I will rise in confidence. I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. And no matter where I go, and no matter where I've been, I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for the call. Oh, Lord, help us to get out any leaven, any doubt, any fears. And, Lord, take you to the places that you told us we'd go in your name and for your glory. Dismiss us now with your blessing. Amen.